This is the Action Network Podcast. Oh, the right hand! He hit a plus on the jaw with the right hand. A right hand right on the chin. Six, seven, and he's Eight. going to stop the fight. It's all over. Wow. Puts him down. It did not last 20 seconds. Hello and welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Eric Raskin and Brian Fonseca to break down the boxing match between Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Bud Crawford going down this Saturday night at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. The card starts at 8 p.m. I'm sure walkouts for this main event will be closer to 11 p.m. or midnight Eastern. For the undisputed welterweight titles, Crawford 39-0, 30 knockouts, Spence 28-0, 22 knockouts, very exciting fight in the boxing realm. Obviously, a big UFC card going on this Saturday night as well. But we're going to turn our attention to this very important welterweight tilt. And Eric Raskin, uh, Brian, I want to get both of your reactions first. When you saw this line come out, because, you know, as, as somebody who handicaps another combat sport, sometimes I like to see the line before I've done any work. Sometimes I like to do all the work and then see the line. So Eric, I want to hear from you first. Did you have an idea of who you were picking before you saw the line? Did you see the line and have a reaction of, oh, this might be a little bit off? What, you know, how did you come to finding the betting odds for this match, you know, relative to when you knew about its booking? So this was a rare fight where the betting line was available before the fight was signed. Um, they do that on occasion with the big fights that they think are probably coming. And so this is one where, uh, probably a month or so before this fight was made official, I saw FanDuel had it minus 112 both ways, which is basically unheard of in boxing. We're, we get so used to the minus 1400 guy versus the plus 800 guy that to see a minus 112 each way, it just doesn't happen very often. So that's that's where it opened before the fight was signed. I liked Crawford all along. I liked him at that price. I didn't realize the odds would then proceed to move as much as they have uh, as, as we're having this conversation. I'm seeing him anywhere from minus 146 all the way up to minus 190. And that is probably more more where this fight belongs than the the minus 112 both ways where where it started. So, um, yeah, I think there was definitely value on Crawford when the lines first went up. Yeah, Crawford currently sitting, as you said, around minus 150 consensus right now. That's about 60% in terms of an implied probability. Spence plus 120 on the comeback. The fight also minus 210 to go to a decision. That is 67% implied. As I said, both fighters undefeated, but both have a healthy number of knockouts on their record. Brian, same question to you. Just your reaction, you know, like Eric had when you first saw the line. Did you see it when it was a pick and price and go, wow, that's, that should certainly be tilted more towards one direction, or did you come around to seeing the odds closer to where it is at the current line? I felt like when this first went up, and it was actually earlier, like months before, maybe even a year or so before, they because this has been talked about, again, boxing being boxing, this fight has been talked about for about five years at this point, since they first confronted each other in a dingy hallway after a Maurice Hooker-Alex Saucedo fight in late 2018. And this has sort of been a rumored bout for a long time. COVID came and, ha and happened and, you know, we knew we weren't going to get it for the time being. But as far as the line, yeah, it was minus 112, minus 113 both ways. But I don't recall seeing Errol Spence a favorite at all at any point. 
it was even and I felt like it would move a little bit towards Terrence Crawford because for reasons, you know, we're going to get to it. It seemed like Terrence Crawford being the narrow favorite was how this was going to lean, even though I personally have spoken to a bunch of people, not fight people necessarily, but fight fans who are just favoring Errol Spence for different reasons that we're going to get into. But the line wasn't totally shocking at all. And for me, I just think that with betting on this, uh, the money line is actually something you could look at, which isn't the case for a lot of boxing matches. Because a lot of times, like Eric said, you got a minus 1,400 favorite. At the morning we're recording this, now you're in a way, was a minus 400 favorite. <laughs> and, you know, usually the favorite does win, not all the time. But this time you could actually look at the money line and get some decent value. Before we talk about the specific technical aspects of the fight, the way that they match up specifically, I want to go into each fighter individually and just kind of have you describe their their archetype, right? You know, are they a counter puncher? Are they a pressure fighter? Uh, you know, give me, because styles make fights certainly, and the stylistic matchups is going to determine what occurs, but in terms of how these fighters individually have taken on their competition leading into this fight, and then also who amongst them you think has had the more difficult strength of schedule. So Eric, just going to throw it back to you first. If you could just give me a general archetype for each of the fighters, and then also who you think has had the more difficult path to getting to this bout. Sure. Spence is probably the easier one to describe in that he's a little more something we've seen before. He is a southpaw, which that alone makes him unique, but he fights in a pretty standard stand-up style, boxing behind the jab, a very busy jab. He's pretty predictable, frankly, from the outside. From the inside, a little less so, but but from the outside, he's mostly one-twos and using his length and strength. This, he's a, a 2012 U.S. Olympian. Um, he has that amateur background, and you can see it in, in just his basic stylistic approach. Crawford is a little harder to describe and a little more unique. He's a switch hitter. He almost always comes out in the orthodox stance, but does his best work from the southpaw stance and just kind of bides his time and waits to switch to southpaw, waits to really get going. He'll often fall behind a few rounds in a fight. He is a counter puncher. Uh, he isn't that good of an inside fighter, even though Spence is longer and, and stronger. He's probably got the advantage inside, but from distance, Bud can just do so many more things. He can throw uh, such a variety of punches and, and catch you from angles that you don't see coming and mix it up more. So, so, so that's kind of how I handicap the styles. One is more predictable and, and, and one is less predictable. Um, I would say over the breadth of his career, going from lightweight to junior welterweight to now welterweight, Crawford has greater accomplishments, ha has fought a, a pretty wide range of top quality opposition. But strictly at welterweight, Spence has the better track record. He's beaten more guys in this division. He's been in this division his whole pro career. Uh, best wins, uh, close decision over Sean Porter, uh, a breakthrough win over Kel Brook several years ago. Um, his most recent victory uh, 15 months ago against Jordanus Ugas was a real eye-opener. He's got the better welterweight track record. Bud Crawford, I'd say his only really meaningful win at 147 pounds was his knockout of Sean Porter. Uh, that's maybe the best win on his record, period. But he's he's spanned three divisions. Uh, Spence has been a career-long welterweight. Brian, I saw you nodding your head. Would you generally agree with that assessment? And also, you know, how do you how do you view the size in this matchup? Because Bud does have a two-inch reach advantage. He's an inch shorter. As Eric said, he's moved up through multiple weight classes. Typically, I would favor the fighter on power who has been staying at the same weight class their whole career, but 
to my knowledge and based on the betting odds, Bud's knockout odds and his chances of getting a knockout seem higher. So does does the fact that he's moved up through multiple weight classes sort of built himself up into being a true welterweight, you know, change your analysis at any point? And do you agree in terms of the fact that Spence has had the more difficult schedule as a welterweight? There are certain guys where they move up in weight and actually get stronger. You know, the 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 lack of cutting weight is actually favorable to them. And Terrence Crawford is 9-0 at welterweight, all wins by knockout, every single one of them. And with Terrence Crawford, he also is just more versatile than Errol Spence. Errol Spence, you know how he's going to win this fight if you think he's going to win this fight. He's going to come forward. He's going to break you down. And it's not going to be an absurd level of creativity. It could be on the inside offensively because Errol Spence is one of the most dynamic body punchers that there is in the sport. And that particularly will be one of the keys to victory for him. Terrence Crawford can beat you in more ways. He's a better counterpuncher. He's a better defensive fighter. He can switch orthodox and southpaw, give you different looks. He's actually better at switching stances than anyone in boxing right now. And because of that versatility, people also forget that he could fight on the inside a little bit. He shouldn't against Errol Spence, but he, he could fight on the inside a little bit. He also has a reach advantage, as you mentioned, Sean, two inches despite being the shorter fighter, which is advantageous to him because if he's going to beat Errol Spence, he cannot be on the inside of this fight. Errol Spence, in terms of walking you down, hunting you from the inside, banging on the inside, body punching, head hunting a little bit, but mostly going downstairs, upstairs, and mixing up his offense, he's as good as anybody at doing that. And with Terrence Crawford, he doesn't have the resume, I think, that Errol Spence does, but the rounds are not close and he doesn't lose rounds, kind of like Habib Nurmagomedov in the UFC. is not a guy that loses rounds. Errol Spence had a split decision victory over Sean Porter. Terrence Crawford fought him a year and a half or so after, however long that was, and knocked him out. He was the only person to knock out Sean Porter, who you know, was a very like high-level welterweight, fought Keith Thurman, fought Danny Garcia, fought pretty much everybody, Adrian Broner, when Adrian Broner was still good. And with Terrence Crawford, he just has wiped out pretty much everyone he's fought. He's beaten a couple undefeated champions like Julius Ndongo and Victor Postel, who were never the same again after fighting Terrence Crawford. That's pretty indicative to me. And with Errol Spence, I think that he's fought better competition overall, but Terrence Crawford has just looked better in some of these victories. We even saw Spence struggle a little bit, a couple of different points against Jordanis Ugas, who's a strong you know, contender at welterweight, but I think that Terrence Crawford will probably beat him a little more soundly than Errol Spence did. I'll, I'll dispute one thing that you said there, Brian, of uh, Terrence Crawford doesn't lose rounds. He does, although it's usually by choice. Um, but he, yes, they, yes. he has had a lot of fights in his career where he kind of will just about give away the first three or four rounds before he really gets revved up, usually, again, before he switches southpaw. Um, yeah. But uh, but but you you are in good company on one uh, observation you made there, that he's the, the best uh, at switching stances in the sport. I just saw Freddie Roach said the exact same thing. So, uh, oh. so you're thinking along <laughs> the same lines as Freddie Roach. That's a good sign. Yeah, very good sign. <laughs> uh, you know, and you guys make an interesting point about Crawford potentially giving up minutes early, the Floyd Mayweather strategy, getting reads on the opponent and then building his exactly. fight. Do you think that makes, uh, you know, Eric just going to go right to you and then Brian, you jump in after. Do you think that makes him a good live betting target after the first few rounds? Is that typically how you would look to bet a Bug Crawford fight, Eric? Yep, I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. This was the sort of the closing comment in the, the article that I wrote previewing the fight on Sports Handle uh, was that, 
if you missed the minus 112 opportunity on Bud and you're not as likely to want to bet him at minus 150, wait a few rounds into the fight and see if he does what he's done so many times, which is fall behind maybe three rounds to one or something. If the if the odds makers don't really factor in his tendencies and the fact that he's behind by a few rounds may not mean anything, if they think it means something and you start seeing plus money next next to Terrence Crawford's name, that's a that's a perfect bet to to jump on. This is one where you want to you want to have your apps open as you're watching this fight. Same approach for you, Brian. I, I would totally agree with that because with Terrence Crawford, he is literally one of these guys when they say downloading information, that's what he does for the first, we'll call it two, maybe three rounds. He doesn't typically want to give up three rounds in a fight, but you know, he's done that before and then come back, turn the tide or whatever. And even sometimes as he's waiting, figuring you out in those first couple of rounds before he kicks it into gear, sometimes he still blows you away and is able to counter effectively figure you out a little bit sooner. He did that to Julius and Dongo and then knocked him down in the second round, knocked him out in the third round. Some guys are just easier to figure out, I suppose. And with Errol Spence, it's it's not really for me whether or not Terrence Crawford is going to figure him out because I think he is. But just because you can figure him out doesn't mean you could withstand the power. If he could withstand the power, then that's really what we should be talking about in terms of whether or not he's going to win this fight. Because I think Errol Spence is going to find him, probably not as much as he would like, because Errol Spence finds everybody. But Terrence Crawford has a chin. He's taken some punches before. He hasn't been dropped. Some people think that Mean Machine might have gotten him a few years ago. But, you know, he wasn't dropped uh, in his career. Hasn't been yet. Errol Spence neither. And... That's sort of the interesting thing about this fight, too, is that we haven't seen any guy, while we've seen them overcome adversity, they haven't had to go to that place yet. And the feeling is that either one of them can take them there. Let's talk about how either fighter can win this fight and look at the winning method market. So Crawford sitting around plus 165 to win by decision. Spence around plus 200. Knockout Crawford plus 260. Spence plus 575. Now, in terms of their actual betting odds, and then breaking that down into percentages of winning methods, the betting market is telling you that if Bud is going to win about 60% of the time by decision, 40% by knockout. For Spence, it's actually a split of 80% by decision and 20% by knockout. And based on how you guys were talking about this fight, it seemed to me with Crawford potentially being the better minute winner, especially down the stretch, that the knockout odds for Spence might just be a tad undervalued because it seemed to me, based on how you guys were talking about the fight, if Spence wins, it's probably likelier that he wins by knockout. So Eric, just want to throw it to you to talk about the winning methods, how you see either fighter winning, and whether you think those percentage chances, again, just to reiterate, about 60-40 is the split for Crawford decision versus knockout, 80-20 for Spence decision versus knockout. Do you think those percentages are off? No, they're actually pretty accurate, I would say. I'm not seeing, like, huge value jumping out at me on, on any of those particular prices and markets. I did, by shopping around, I did see Crawford by decision as high as plus 200 at one mm -hmm. book. And so if if you can find that, if you have access to that in your state, I think maybe there's some value there. Because that is, that is my ultimate pick in the fight, even though... Look, it's a really hard fight to pick. <laughs> the, the, again, it opened at minus 112 each way. The, this is an unusual fight in that regard that there is no real obvious favorite. But if I had to pick something, it would be Crawford by decision. Uh, the price you said plus 165, I'm not sure if there's value at plus 200. I think there probably is. 
Yeah, they're they're making it kind of uh, tempting to try to go against the grain and and pick one of these guys by knockouts by knockout, especially Spence. I guess what Brian pointed out about Spence's body work that's key. If you if you're picking a Spence knockout, which is the longest shot of those four for good reason, I guess you're banking on that maybe he can hurt Crawford to the body. Um, it, so uh, again, I forget exactly what you said. The odds on Spence by knockout were, was that something like 575 plus or plus 600? Yeah. You know, that's worth a, maybe a small bet, a, a flyer on the chance that it could happen, that that just his basic size and strength really comes to the fore here. It's not the outcome I'm predicting, but at plus 575, maybe it's worth thinking about. But, but still, uh, out of these various method of victory markets, I think the best one is still Crawford by decision. Brian, just to reiterate, so about 60-40 is the split, the expected split for Crawford decision versus knockout, 80-20 for Spence decision versus knockout. Do you disagree with those percentages at all? And I know you're also leaning, I believe, to Crawford by decision. Yeah, I, I'm taking Crawford by decision as my main pick for this fight. It won't be my only bet because I'll look at some other things to bet. Um, and I'll probably wait after the first couple of rounds, see if I can get Terrence Crawford live, you know, for that extra value. But in, in terms of Terrence Crawford by decision, um, I, I got it at plus 175. And I, yeah, you could find it maybe as high as 200. Uh, if you're lucky and you could probably find it as high as 200 if you wait a couple rounds to bet it live right that's something that may happen too but if Errol Spence is going to win this fight I think he could win on the cards if it's close enough I actually could see this and there's going to be some added value here bet on a split decision bet on a majority decision this fight could be really close either way like if you think Crawford's going to win like I think the majority decision or split decision sprinkle is going to be worth it. I don't see that available yet. That probably should be available. Maybe by the time this is out, maybe by the time that the fight uh, comes around. And sometimes you can get those numbers in the, in the high, like almost plus a thousand, probably plus five, six, 800 or whatever the case may be. Like there's some good value there. And I think this could be potentially really close. Like what I'm predicting is similar to Devin Haney versus Vasilio Machenko, although hopefully without controversy, but I think that the scorecards, 115, 113, 116, 112, is that we're going to be in the range of that kind of a close fight. And if we are, then majority decision, split decision, all you need is like for the scorecards to be close. Maybe one breaks the other way, and then you could add uh, some value there on your bet. Um, majority decision you need, for people who don't know, you need a draw from one judge and two for the winner. So you would be banking on somebody to score at 114, 114, and then the winner would get, you know, the two cards in their favor. Split decision would be two one way, one the other. And I think those are some of the things you could look at. But ultimately, yeah, I think that if Terrence Crawford wins this fight, and I think he will, it will likely be by decision. So that's about plus 175 when I got it. I think Errol Spence is the likelier candidate to win by knockout. But we also have to remember, and this is something to factor in, if you're doing like long shot knockout bets, Terrence Crawford uh, could expose sort of the eye injury that Errol Spence has had in the past. Injuries are a factor in this too. And, you know, fights could stop because of freak things like that. This is why boxing on betting is hard, <laughs> even though sometimes it could seem predictable. So I think that that's one thing to keep track of too. Um, so I think the knockout bets, while they're fun and I don't think they're going to happen, they could be worth a sprinkle just because anything can happen in this sport, even as predictable as it may seem sometimes. 
I, I love where your head is at, Brian, with the majority decision and the split decision and, and all that, because I was looking at that as well. And there there was one book that did have some of that stuff up. And I think you're really going to like the prices. They're a little higher than, uh, the, than what you were guessing. I saw Crawford majority decision at plus 1400. Oh, give Spence, me that. Ma- Spence majority decision plus 1600. Or you can uh, take a, a little less risk on it and go either guy by majority decision at, uh, at plus 750. So, mm. you know, then yeah, you need that. That one 114 to 114 scorecard to make it work. But I, I agree with you. This is the kind of fight that could be close, could be tough to score, even if it isn't that tough to score. And uh, the whole world seems to agree that one guy clearly won it. You still sometimes get one judge who's an outlier giving you a scorecard that doesn't make sense. So, uh, so, so those are some fun kind of long shot approaches on this one. Well, it's still boxing, so you still have, you know, pre-filled scorecards where one, one scorecard is for one fighter before the fight, one for the other fighter before the fight, and there's only actually one judge judging the fight in front of them. <laughs> uh, so, you know, both guys leaning towards Bud by decision, but the split or majority decision props, plus 750 for either fighter. Would you say plus 1,400 for Bud, Eric? Yeah, that, right. that sounds very interesting to me yeah. as well, in addition to probably the best way to play it which is Bud Crawford live after rounds three, round four, round five, somewhere in there after potentially starting slow and giving away early minutes. Guys, uh, before we move on to potential undercard bets for Saturday, any other thoughts on this fight? Any other ways you're thinking about betting it? Brian, I'm going to go back to you. I think if Terrence Crawford, well, one, he wins this fight. He's pound for pound number one, right? So, like, uh, well, him and Naya, in a way, could fight. Right, I was going to say, um, Naya, in a way, <laughs> made that very complicated. But Yeah, yeah, it made that very complicated. But I think that's what this sort of fight signifies. And the fun thing about it is there is a rematch clause. So, we may see this again. Um, I don't know if it'll be at welterweight, but we may see this fight again if it does happen. But in terms of betting on it, I, I, I would tell people I wouldn't go crazy with the just sort of fun knockdown props that'll be like plus 2000 and you know both fighters to be knocked down and terence crawford to be knocked down in rounds one two or three and like i i'm not saying that those definitely aren't going to happen part of the double negative but i don't think this is a fight where you can sprinkle on a ton of long shots i think the long shots you should be looking at though are your fighter of choice because look if errol spence Errol Spence could win this fight too. Like we should acknowledge that also. I don't want to be dismissive to that. He could win by knockout or by points or by decision. And I think that whoever you're backing to win, look at split decision, look at majority decision, those type of long shots. I think you can get good realistic value on. I wouldn't put a ton of money on it, but I would look at those things and definitely live bet. Like look at the fight as it's happening Terrence Crawford after two rounds is something I would look at live. If Errol Spence is kicking it into another gear around six, seven, eight, and you feel like he's breaking down Terrence Crawford and really hitting him to the body and turning the tide in his favor, like try to, as, as Eric said, keep your app open. <laughs> if you're watching this fight live, because the money line is probably un- unless there's obviously a knockdown or just a lot of momentum going one way or the other, the money line is going to be pretty favorable. It's going to be pretty close throughout the fight uh, as long as the fight plays out the way it should in terms of it being a tight fight. So split decisions, majority decisions, things of that nature, I would definitely look at more than I'd look at the the more fun stuff where it's like, you know, both fighters to be knocked down in the first minute of round 11 and things of that nature, because I don't know if that's going to happen. 
I mean, now I'm in my mid 30s if I'm not betting split or majority decision props on big time boxing matches. I don't know what I'm doing because I've been paying attention <laughs> long enough to all the wonky split decisions we get in boxing. Uh, Eric, any final thoughts on Spence Crawford? Yeah, there's there's one this flies in the face of what uh, Brian was just saying about not betting those stupid knockdown props. But there is one that I like that, that I think is fun, which is I saw any knockdown to be scored by either guy in any of the first four rounds was plus sixteen hundred, which seemed a little a little bit of a high price for someone to just sneak in a flash knockdown anywhere in those first four sure. rounds. Uh, I, that that one kind of had my eye. And then the other thing that I that I noticed was um, a bet that has to be the worst boxing bet I've ever seen and the most painful sweat imaginable. Uh, I saw a price of minus 4,000 to bet under one and a half knockdowns in this fight, which <laughs> do I think there will probably be under one and a half knockdowns? Yeah, probably. That's the right side. But risking $400 to win 10 bucks and sweating every time a punch is thrown that, oh God, please don't anyone touch down. It just seems like the most horrendous sweat imaginable i advise everyone to stay as far away as possible from that bet at that price i think you parlay the knockdown in the first four rounds with the under one and a half knockdowns to the fight and you go with the <laughs> ultimate sweat <laughs> and a completely unnecessary parlay uh let's talk about any undercard bets you guys might have for saturday don't have to go super in-depth at all just some potential action you might think people would want to have as they're watching the card in the lead up to Spence and Crawford. Eric, any undercard bets for you? Yeah, the, the one fight that has my eye is uh, the great veteran future Hall of Famer, Nanito Denaire, taking on uh, Alexandra Santiago. And it's a pretty close fight on the odds board, uh, you know, minus 160-ish for Denaire, plus 130 I'm seeing for Santiago. And I kind of like Santiago. Denaire's 40 years old, um, even, even at even money, uh, Santiago was kind of the way I was leaning in this one. Uh, it just that that potential for Daenerys coming off a, a two round knockout loss to the great Noah in a way which doesn't necessarily tell you anything, but it was a brutal physical defeat that may have been his age starting to show through. And now another year has passed. He's gotten that much older. Santiago is the classic pain in the ass fighter. He doesn't really seem like he's all that good, but he's just a, effective. He's not super talented, but he's just in your, in your grill and, and uh, could be exactly the wrong kind of opponent for Denaire to face at this point. And this fight got delayed two weeks at the last minute. It was supposed to happen two weeks ago. They wanted to shuffle some fights around because of fighters falling out. So they moved this from another card onto this pay-per-view, presumably uh, added added a few bucks to each fighter's purse to convince them to stay in training camp an extra two weeks. But at, at age 40, to be ready to peak for a fight and then kind of hold off and maintain that peak for two more weeks and make weight, it all adds up to a pretty tough situation for Denaire. So I, I kind of like Santiago as a plus 130 underdog. And, and I also saw him by knockout at plus 550, which, uh, you know, again, a 40-year-old fighter who's been knocked out a couple of times, plus 550 on the, on the underdog to stop Donaire is kind of intriguing to me. Santiago's 27 years old. Is that correct? He's in his late yeah. 20s? Yeah. yeah and, you know, I right. talk about this all the time in the UFC podcast. I don't know what the stats are for boxing, but when there's at least an eight-year age gap between UFC fighters, especially when the fighter who's older is near 40 years old, the younger fighter actually wins 10% or actually it's getting closer to 12% more often than the betting market tells you their fair odds are. So younger fighters, I think general tend to be undervalued because the older fighter has the fan base. They have the name recognition, et cetera, et cetera. But the durability usually shot at that point. So Santiago plus 130, 
a bet I'm going to be joining Eric on. Brian, any undercard bets that you like for Saturday? Yeah, um, one, I like that one, even though Santiago, he, if you look him up, he has a maddening record. He's 27-3-5. and five. He's five draws. Um, <laughs> and I think, but, you know, Donaire, yeah, I mean, coming back from a Naya Inouye knockout in round two at that age, and I feel like I've been watching Nonito Donaire my whole life. He was in Fight Night Champion as a veteran, and mm-hmm. that game came out in 12 years ago. You know what I mean? So he's been around for a long time. Um, Elsewhere on the undercard, I would look at Isak Cruz, Giovanni Cabrera, which is very fun fight for people who don't uh, know or may not remember. Isak Cruz fought Gervonta Davis very tough a couple of years ago in a fight that Davis won, but it was very close. I scored it 115-113 personally. Uh, Davis uh, was hurt in the fight, but Isak Cruz, you know, came forward and really made a fight out of it and nearly unseated uh, I guess one of the best in this lightweight division, Isak Cruz uh, is fighting Giovanni Cabrera, who's 21-0, who has not been at this level of fight yet. Isak Cruz is a big favorite, even though he has a couple losses because he's that good. He's menacing. And I actually think that, and the books have him to win by knockout at minus 280. He's a big favorite. So obviously you're not doing that. I mean, you know, decent parlay leg, right? One that you could trust. And I, I would say that if you're gonna if you're going to play the Isak Cruz knockout, Minus 280, do it in a parlay uh, because that's actually a pretty reliable leg. You could do that with like Team USA in the World Cup or something along those lines. And perhaps uh, Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence, who you think is going to win that fight. There's your three-legger right there. But I always look at alternative group, uh, group round betting, alternative group round betting, Isaac Cruz to win. Knockout between rounds one through six is plus 170. I think that's a little bit undervalued, even though it's nearly even. Between 7 and 12, you have it at plus 125. I feel like it can go either way, but I think Isak Cruz can get him out of there early. I really do. He has a second-round knockout in his last fight against Eduardo Ramirez. I was on the undercard of uh, Luis Ortiz and Andy Ruiz, I believe it was, last year. And Yuriokas Gamboa knocked him out in the fifth round, and Yuriokas Gamboa doesn't really have a chin anymore, so that wasn't that surprising. I would say Isak Cruz to win group round betting, uh, between one and six is interesting. Between five and eight, you probably get a little bit more value. But I think he can get Cabrera out of there quickly, even though Cabrera will try to keep his distance, not really engage with Isaac Cruz. You watch him fight for a round and you'll know why. But I think that's something to look at, too. Or you could just play the knockout straight up as a parlay leg. And, and for the East Coast fight fans who don't like staying up late, you go ahead and bet that uh, KO one through six and root for it to happen for multiple reasons <laughs> in that it will also get the main event into the ring a little earlier. So maybe you have a chance of getting to bed before midnight. <laughs> well, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much to Eric Raskin and Brian Fonseca for joining me to break down Errol Spence versus Terrence Bud Crawford going down Saturday night at the T-Bombo Arena in Las Vegas. Both the guys like or lean to Crawford by decision, but they think Probably the best angle is to enter on Crawford live after the first couple of rounds. And then in terms of undercard bets, Alejandro Santiago on the money line at plus 130. And then also Isak Cruz rounds one through six knockout at around plus 170. For Brian, for Eric, I'm Sean Zarillo. This has been the Action Network Podcast. Best of luck this weekend. See you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.